ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this evening in lecture number four from the series of lectures based upon the book of Sheikh Suhaib Hassan Abdul Ghaffar Hafizahu Allah, may Allah protect and preserve him, entitled Al-Ma'rifa Fi Uloom Al-Hadith, or an introduction to the science, or the sciences of hadith. And in the previous lectures, we gave some general introductions to the various sciences of hadith, including the one that we are focusing upon, Mustalah Hadith, which deals with the classification or categorization of various types of hadith, primarily to determine those which are authentic, sound, acceptable hadith from those which are weak, rejected, or fabricated hadith. And we also talked about something briefly related to uh, the other sciences of hadith. And the author in his introduction, which we discussed last week, uh, discussed a number of points from amongst them, the fact that the sunnah, the authentic sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, including his sayings, actions, and approvals, that the sunnah is the second of the two revealed fundamental sources of Islam. Yani that the sunnah, as the Qur'an, is also a revelation. The sunnah is also a revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he talked about the two parts of a hadith, that every hadith consists of two parts. The isnad, or the chain of narrators, the transmitters of the hadith and the metin, the text or that which they have transmitted or reported. Then he talked about the importance of the isnad, that the isnad is part of the deen, and isnad min al-deen, and if it were not for the isnad, if it were not for this science of using or checking and examining and uh, scrutinizing the chains of narrators, then if not for that, Anyone would have been able to say whatever they wanted to say. Anyone would have been able to attribute to the Prophet ﷺ anything and no one would have been able to refute them or to reject it. Then he talked about the need for verification of the Isnad due to the fact that sometimes some of the reporters may have omitted or deleted a narrator and without knowing who was that narrator it would be impossible to know or to affirm or confirm the authenticity of that which was being reported. And the second primary reason of the need for verification of Isnad is due to deliberate fabrication. That some of the groups of people 
who deviated from Islam and some of the various parties and sects, they began to fabricate hadith in order to support their madhab or their deviation or their aqidah. Uh, then he talked about the statement of Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahimahullah, the great scholar from amongst the Tabi'een who died in the year 110. He said that they used to, in the early days, they didn't used to ask about the isnad or the chain of narratives. But when the fitna or trouble happened, they said, Sammu lana rijalakum. Name to us your men. Who are your narratives? When somebody came and reported something from the Prophet ﷺ, they questioned them and asked them, for the chain of transmission in order to determine whether or not it was from trustworthy people or otherwise. So the narrations of the Ahl Sunnah would be accepted and those of the Ahl Bid'ah would be rejected. Then the author discussed a brief history of Mustalah al-Hadith, Mustalah Hadith is science, which is one of the sciences of Hadith. It is one of the, it is an ilm from the ulum of Hadith. And he said, he talked about the history of Mustalah Hadith and its development. In the first stage, the rules and principles were transmitted by oral transmission. The scholars used to orally transmit the rules and guidelines and principles uh, related to Mustalah Hadith. In the second stage, they began to put them into writings. But not in independent books dealing with the science of Mustalah but they were collected with other sciences in various books along with fiqh and usul fiqh and other sciences such as the book Al-Um by Imam Al-Shafi'i rahimahullah and also his book Al-Risala as well as the introduction to the Sahih of Muslim and the appendix to the Sunan of Al-Tirmidhi contain very very important writings uh, dealing with Mustalah Hadith in the third and last stage, the scholars began to collect all of the information related to the principles and rules of Mustalah Hadith and to author independent, specialized works. And the first important one, uh, work that was done was by the great scholar Abu Muhammad Al-Hassan ibn Abdurrahman Al-Ramahurmuzi, who died in the year 360 which is in the beginning of the second half of the fourth century of the Hijra, the beginning of the second half of the fourth century. In his book, Al-Muhaddis Al-Fasil Bain Al-Rawi Wal-Wa'i. Other books he mentioned, of the other important books, the most important of them is Ulum Al-Hadith, which is known as Muqaddama Ibn Salah, by the scholar Abu Amr, Uthman Ibn Abdurrahman, Al-Shahrazuri. He is known as Ibn Salah. And then after him, many of the other scholars wrote books based on that book, Ulum al-Hadith. Some of them were abbreviations or abridgments. Some of them were explanations, sharh. Some of them were rearranging of the information into the form of poetry, like the Al-Fiyah of Al-Iraqi. And of the most important of those books is the Taqrib of Al-Imam Al-Nawi and the Tadrib of Tadrib Al-Rawi, which is an explanation of the book of Imam Nawi by Al-Imam Al-Suyuti. Then Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, his abbreviated or bridge form of Ulum al-Hadith entitled Ikhtisar al-Hadith and so many other books which we mentioned last week. Then the next point that we discussed or the last point that we discussed was actually a summary of Mustalah Hadith. What will we deal with in this book, the main aspects of Mustalah Hadith that we will talk about in this course and the author listed them as uh, seven primary areas. The first of them is looking at a hadith 
according to the classification or categorization with reference to a particular authority. Yani, this means the classification of a hadith according to who is the speaker that the hadith is reported from. Yani, looking at the speaker, is it from the Prophet ﷺ or is it from a Sahabi or is it from a student of the Sahaba, Tabi and so on. Those hadith which are reported statements or actions from the Prophet ﷺ are referred to as marfu'un. And those which are from a Sahabi are referred to as mawqufun. And those from the students of Sahaba are maqtur. This is one way of classifying hadith according to who is the speaker, according to the particular authority that is reported from. Another reference is according to the links in the isnad, whether or not the chain of narrators is broken or complete. And if it's broken, whether it's broken the beginning, whether it's broken the middle, on the end, consecutive breaks and so on. And those hadith are known as muttasal, if it is complete without any break in it. Munqati'a means generally breaks in the hadith. Mu'allaq means the break or missing links are from the author who collected it like Al-Imam Bukhari or Muslim or Abu Dawood or Tirmidhi. If the break was in the end after the Tabi'een, before the Prophet ﷺ, that's called uh, Mursal and so on. The next type was in reference to the number of reporters in every stage. If there were a very large number of reporters of a hadith in every stage, yani in the stage of Sahaba, stage of Tabi'een, stage of Atba Tabi'een and so on down the line, if there were a large number of narrators on every stage, in every era, then that hadith is known as Al-Mutawatir. And if it was less than that, one or two or three chains or a small number, it's generally known as Khabar Al-Ahad. And Khabar Al-Ahad we said is divided into three types of hadith, the Gharib, Mashhur, Aziz and Mashhur according to the number, the least number of narrators at any particular level. And as we said, this is a general introduction and each one of these uh, categories, these seven categories, we are going to discuss in the, in the rest of the lectures remaining concerning this book. This is the primary, these are the topics that we will talk about. Uh, also, reference to the manner in which the hadith is reported. Yani the people who narrated the hadith, they used to say that the shaykh, he reported to us. They used to say, haddathani or haddathana, that he reported to us, our shaykh, who we heard it from. Or they said, akhbarani, or akhbarana, means that it was reported to us, yani indirectly, from the, not directly from the shaykh, maybe someone read it, and the shaykh was listening to correct them or otherwise. And sometimes they used to use other words such as, sami'atu, or sami'ana, that we heard it, that means direct hearing from the shaykh. And sometimes they used to use another expression such as, an, like we see, Many times in the books of hadith they say عن أبو هريرة عن أبي هريرة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها and so on like this. عن is a general expression which we will talk about in more detail which doesn't make clear whether the person who said عن whether they heard it from the person who they are reporting from directly or with someone in between. It's not clear. But if they said حدثني وأخبرني وسمعتو the other expressions that we will discuss in more detail later then it means that they heard it directly and that is a stronger means of narrating. The other way that we look at the hadith is in reference to the nature of the text or the chain. In reference to the nature of the text, the metin or the isnad, the chain of narrators, there are various types of hadith under this category, the to thiqa, shad, mudraj and so on. 
And these terms we will discuss in detail as I said as we go along. The next reference was in reference to hidden defects. Ailal in the text or in the chain and we also mentioned some of the categories Mu'allal, Maqloob, Muttarib and so on. And finally we said the last category that we're going to discuss the, the last categorization of hadith is in reference to the reliability of the memory of the reporters whether the hadith is hasan or da'if or sahih is to a great extent uh, dependent upon the reliability of the reporters their memory bob the accuracy in reporting and they have their memory as well as their adala their character and trustworthiness as a person these are the primary factors that should be considered if somebody could take the handouts and pass them out in reference to uh, the reliability of the reporters the next topic which was on the handout last week which we didn't cover is what we're going to start with this evening that is Rijal al-Hadith Rijal is the plural of Rajul Rajul but it doesn't just mean males it doesn't just mean males it means the reporters of Hadith and some of the reporters were women but the expression that's used is Rijal Rijal al-Hadith or Ilm al-Rijal this is what the author begins to talk about in this section of the book and this is inshallah what we are going to start reading from this evening so uh, he begins with this title on page 8 according to my copy there's two different printings of this book the newer printing the page numbering is a little different because of the page layout but the information is exactly the same in any case in the, after the introduction and what we discussed last week concerning the brief history of Mustalah Hadith and then the topic of Mustalah Hadith the next topic is Rijal Al Hadith and the Shaykh he says here concerning Rijal Al Hadith Mustalah Al Hadith is strongly associated with Rijal Al Hadith yani Mustalah Hadith is closely connected to and dependent upon another study from amongst the ulum al-hadith it's called Rijal al-hadith the study of the reporters of hadith or the biographies of those who narrated the hadith of the Prophet from amongst sahaba or tabi'een or atba'a tabi'een and so on in scrutinizing examining and checking the reporters of a hadith authenticating or disparaging remarks made by recognized experts from amongst the successes that is the tabi'een and those after them were found to be of great help yani the kind of remarks authenticating or disparaging remarks by that he means that some of the scholars when they discussed the biographies of the narrators they used to make a critical evaluation of each reporter either making authenticating statements that's called ta'adil yani favorable statements about him that he's a good narrator and so on he had a good memory he was of good character or whatever or they used to make disparaging or unfavorable remarks against that reporter so these two types of reports ta'adil favorable or authenticating remarks or jarh jarh critical unfavorable remarks these are the two categories of the types of statements that the scholars used to make in the biographies of the reporters in order to evaluate them whether they were acceptable 
narrator or not. Examples of such remarks in descending order of authentication and here he just mentions a few of the types of expressions that are used to describe the reporters of hadith. The first type is Imam, leader or Hafiz, preserver. These types of expressions, Imam, Hafiz, mean that that reporter is a very, very reliable, strong reporter. His hadith, if he narrates hadith, it would be considered as sahih. The second group of expressions are reliable or sabt and trustworthy, siqa. These expressions are also strong, favorable expressions used on behalf of a reporter, of a narrator, a rawi, a narrator of hadith. His hadith, such a, an expression if it's used for a narrator, also his hadith would be considered as authentic or sahih. Another category which is yani, a different type of expression, they said that he makes mistakes. Yani yukhti. And similar to it, though it's not written here, is yuhim. That means that he used to sometimes report something, imagining that it was one way and it was actually a different way. And he used to make errors. And he due to his uh, lack of ability to be accurate in reporting what he heard. And next, daif, weak. These two categories, the one who made mistakes and the one who was considered or classified as a weak narrator, their hadith are generally considered to be unacceptable, daif. That hadith reported by such a person would be considered as daif. Or sometimes, if there were other supporting narrations, similar, from different people reporting the same thing or similar to what they said, it may be raised up or strengthened from Da'if to Hassan Lighayrihi. Hassan Lighayrihi. Because of supporting narrations from other people who, who narrated similar to them. Though they, that person used to make mistakes, they said he yukhti, he makes mistakes. But if one or two or other, three other chains of narration came reporting the same thing, then it led us to believe that in that case, it wasn't one of his mistakes. It was an acceptable narration from him. Therefore, it's raised up to Hassan, an acceptable or good report, but Hassan li ghayrihi. Hassan because of others besides him supporting him. Both for those who make mistakes and those who are considered daif, yani it means that their weakness is not very, very severe. It is a minor weakness and it can be corrected or supported. The next two categories are the categories of expressions concerning reporters that if somebody was labeled or described with such their hadith would be rejected the first of them is matruq or abandoned the one who is matruq he has been abandoned by the scholars of hadith they don't accept his reports they don't accept it he's very very weak if they said matruq forget about it don't even look at his reports even if supporting narrations came it won't help him he's too weak we cannot accept from him and worse than that is the kidzab liar or those who used to fabricate hadith. If it said that, كان يضع, he used to make uh, wada or fabrication. موضوع hadith, he used to fabricate or lie on the Prophet ﷺ, or he was kadzab. Such expressions mean that that person's hadith is absolutely rejected. It will never be accepted under any circumstance. Even if he narrated something that was reported by reliable narrators, the reports of the reliable narrators of the same meaning or even the same wording would be accepted but his would be rejected. It would be rejected. If a person was known to have lied on the Prophet even one time, 
and he was labeled by the correct yani fair scholars as kadhab his hadith could never be accepted he will never accept it even if others support him so these are some of the expressions that are used to describe the narrative of hadith and this is part of the science called ilm ar-rijal or rijal al-hadith here the shaykh says reporters have been reporters who have been unanimously described by statements statements such as the first two may contribute to a sahih or sound isnad it's important to note here that he said reporters who have been unanimously described by statements such as the first two imam or hafiz or thiq or thab such descriptions if all of the criticizers of the narratives use similar such expressions for somebody means that he was described unanimously by everyone nobody criticized him or said unfavorable statements against him then his hadith is accepted as sahih and also he says here that he may contribute to a sahih isnad meaning that his presence in the chain of narratives doesn't assure absolutely that the hadith is sahih we also have to look at the other narratives but he contributes towards the authenticity yani as far as he's concerned the hadith would be cons- will be considered sahih but then we have to look at the other people who he narrated from or those who narrated from him and if all of them were described as such only then would the hadith be considered as sahih if one of them was described as yukhti he makes mistakes or described as matruq or kazab or such statements then the rest of the narrators we don't even look at them because we always look at the weakest link the weakest link if the weakest link is yukhti his hadith became daif even though the rest of the narrators are strong reliable yani acceptable reporters so he said that those who have been unanimously described by statements such as the first two may contribute to a sahih isnad as for if there are different statements conflicting statements amongst the criticizers about a particular narrator some said he was good and some said he was weak that's another topic which we'll talk about as we go along and isnad containing a reporter who is described by the last two statements abandoned matruq or kazab liar is likely or i'm sorry the next two a, a reporter who is described by the last two statements is likely to be yeah daif jiddan very daif or very weak or mawdu' fabricated the last two statements matruq or kazab abandoned or liar reporters who have been described by these two such statements or similar ones their hadith would be considered very very weak or fabricated reporters who are subject to statements such as the middle two above yani those who make mistakes or those who are described as weak or daif will cause the isnad to be daif although several of them relating the same hadith independently will often increase the rank of the hadith to the level of hasan or good yani if the criticism is only a minor criticism such as they said he used to make mistakes or he used to sometimes imagine something other than its reality or he was a a weak narrator meaning that his uh his mistakes were equal or more than his correct reports such people their narrations can be supported and strengthened and raised up to hasan but not hasan by itself hasan lighayrihi and here the final statement he makes in this paragraph is of really great importance and we can't discuss it in detail but just mention in passing if the remark about a particular reporter conflict yani 
if one criticizer, one of the scholars who used to write the biographies and write the evaluations of the narrators, if he made two conflicting statements about a narrator, or if two or more scholars like him made conflicting statements, yani there's more than one statement about a narrator. Some people said he was thicker, a reliable narrator, and other people said he was daif, a weak narrator. If there are conflicting statements concerning his evaluation, a careful verdict has to be arrived at after in-depth analysis of a number of factors. For example, he says the factors that we would have to look at is the reason given for any dis- disparagement. Why was, what was the reason why he was given an unfavorable evaluation? Or the weight of each type of criticism. Yani how severe is the criticism? Is the criticism, for example, that he was a liar? That he was accused of lying? That most of his reports were weak? Yani depends on what was the type of criticism made against him. We have to look at that. If it was a severe criticism, like they said, he was matruk, then it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to accept him. So we have to look at that. That's a factor. Also, the relative strictness or leniency of each critic. Yani those who used to criticize the narratives and evaluate them after examining their biographies, some of those people who did the evaluation were very strict and some of them were very lenient and some of them were in between, balanced. So we have to also look, when there are conflicting reports, we have to look, was this guy very strict? Was this scholar very harsh in uh, making unfavorable statements against people? If he found the slightest little thing, maybe he said, matruk, finished. Or was he mutasahil, easygoing? And he used to just accept from everybody. He used to say everybody was thicker. Everybody was a good reporter. As long as he didn't know anything bad against him, he said, khalas, he's thicker. Was he like this, too easygoing, or was he in between? He used to be very fair and balanced. We have to look and see the scholars who conflicted, what was their manner or their minhaj in evaluating the narratives of hadith. And in the handout, this is discussed in a little more detail, but let us go on with the text of the book. So these are some of the things that would be looked out if they are conflicting reports. And then, after everything is considered, the final evaluation would be made. Shall we accept those who made unfavorable remarks or those who made favorable remarks or what? What would be the final judgment after everything is considered? The earliest remarks cited in the books of Rijal and the biographies of the Naris Hadith go back to a host of successes, the Tabi'un, followed by those after them, the Tabi'a Tabi'un or Atba'a Tabi'un until the period of the six canonical traditionists, that is, the six Famous books of hadith, Al-Bukhari, Al-Muslim, Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, and Nasai. These books that are sometimes referred to as Al-Siha, Al-Sitta, the six authentic books, which is actually an incorrect expression to be used. They are not six authentic books, but actually they are two authentic books, the Sahihain, Al-Bukhari, and muslim As for the others, it is not proper to refer to them as the six authentic books. We shouldn't do so, but actually they are normally referred to as Al-Qutb Al-Sitta the six books, yani these are the six most important or most famous, yani six of the most important. We cannot say they are the most important because also amongst the important books there are other books besides them such as the Muwatta of Imam Malik and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed and other books, Mustadrak of Al-Hakam, the Sahih ibn Khuzayma, the Sahih ibn Hibban, there are a lot of other also important books but these were the most widespread books at that time, these six books. So these books he said that the, the remarks 
concerning the narratives of hadith go back to a large number of tabi'un, the students of Sahaba. Then those who followed after them up until the period of these six great scholars, Al-Bukhari and Muslim and Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah and Nasai. The last of them being and Nasai, who died in the year 303, the beginning of the 4th century. So you can say in the first three centuries, as he said here, a period covering the first three centuries of Islam, up until the end of the uh, third century. Yani, the beginning of the fourth century is the year 301. So Al-Imam al-Nasai, he died in the year 303. So he was at the beginning of the fourth century. We include him in the first three centuries, along with the other famous scholars of hadith. A list of such names of those people who used to make their critical remarks of the scholars of the narratives of hadith, a list of those have been mentioned by the author Sheikh Suhaib in his thesis, Criticism of Hadith Among Muslims with reference to the Sunan of Ibn Majid. That's this book here, which um, is really a very important book. It is a master's degree thesis. It's a rare book that um, I bought a long time ago, many years ago, about 15 or 20 years ago, and really I found it very valuable. It's somewhat technical, but it's really a valuable resource. Inshallah, we are trying to get some copies of it. Uh, in, that, in this book, he mentions a list of those who used to make the critical analysis or the critical comments concerning the narrative of Hadith. Uh, and in the first level, he mentions, for example, some of the scholars from the Tabi'een, such as Sa'id ibn Musayyib, Urwa ibn al-Zubayr, Ibrahim al-Nakhayi, Sa'id ibn Jubayr, al-Hassan al-Basri, Muhammad ibn Sirin, uh, Muhammad ibn Muslim ibn, Shihab, ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, Malik ibn Dinar, and so on. He mentions a number of the scholars from the Tabi'een who were known for their statements or critical analysis of the reporters of Hadith from that time period. From the second time period, the Tabi'i Tabi'een or Asba'i Tabi'een he mentions, for example, Al-Imam Al-Awza'i, Shu'bah ibn Hajjaj, Sufyan al-Thawri, Al-Layth ibn Sa'ad, Malik ibn Anas, Al-Imam Malik, uh, Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Qattan, Muhammad ibn Idris, Al-Shafi'i, Rahimahullah, and some other scholars, Yahya ibn Ma'in, uh, Ishaq ibn Rahawi, and Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy upon all of them. And then after that, in the next chapter, he mentions other narrators who came in the stages after them. These are some of the very, very famous and important scholars who used to write about, write in the biographies of the scholars those remarks by which we are able to determine whether or not a narrator, any reporter in the chain of narrators, if he is a good reporter or not, if he is an acceptable reporter or not. Amongst the earliest available works in this field are the Tariq of Ibn Ma'in, who died in the year 233, yani in the first half of the third century. Tabaqat of Khalifa ibn al-Khayyat who died around the same time in 240 the Tariq of al-Bukhari who died in the year 256 and the Tariq of al-Bukhari actually is more than one book there's a Tariq al-Kabir a Tariq al-Saghir and so on he has a number of books in which he, he talks about the narrators or the reporters of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu then he mentions Kitab al-Jahr al-Ta'adil by Ibn Abi Hatim uh, who is the son of one of the greatest scholars of hadith, Abu Hatim al-Razi. His son wrote, wrote one of the very, very important books, Kitab al-Jarh al-Ta'adil, in which he mentions the narratives of hadith, both those who are strong and those who are weak. 
then the Tabaqat of Muhammad ibn Sa'ad, which I think has been translated into English even, although I haven't seen the English translation, but it has been translated, I don't know if it's complete or if it's an abridged form, but this book, the Tabaqat of Ibn Sa'ad, has also been translated into English. A number of traditionists made efforts specifically for the gathering of information about the reporters of the five famous collections of hadith, that is, the collections of Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, and Al-Nasai. And his name is not Nisai, it's Nasai. Nasai. Those, excluding Ibn Majah, many of the scholars began with those five books to write biographies of the reporters who were in the chains of narrators that were used by these five scholars, Al-Bukhari and Muslim. They looked at the chains of narrators that Bukhari narrated from and they started writing the biographies of everybody that he narrated from. Everybody that Imam Muslim narrated from. Everybody that Abu Dawood narrated from. Every single one of them. Thousands of reporters. They wrote their biographies. When they were born, when they died, what, were their, what was their character, whatever was known about them. They began to write it and their memory, their accuracy in reporting and so on. And then making some kind of judgment about what was the level of that person's any status as a reporter of hadith. So they said he is Imam, Hafiz, Thiqah, Thab, Da'if whatever, layin, yukhti, uh, makes mistakes and so on. They used to use such terms. Uh, the first major such work to include all the reporters of Ibn Majah, yani including the first five books and Ibn Majah, is the ten-volume collection of Al-Hafiz Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi, who died in the year 600, and his book was known, or is known as Al-Kamal Fi Asma Ar-Rijal. And that book deals primarily with all of the narrators from the six books. And every narrator that was reported through by these six scholars, every one of them, the biographies are included in this tremendous book, Al-Kamal Fi Asma Rijal, by Al-Imam Al-Maqdisi. Uh, and by the way, Al-Imam Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi is a relative of our... Uh, present author of Lumat al-Itiqad Al-Imam Ibn Qudama Al-Maqdisi and they traveled together to various lands and studied and it, this, he is, this is one of the great works of his cousin Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi Al-Kamal Fi Asma Al-Rijal later that book an abridgment edited and abridged version of his work was done by the great scholar Jamal al-Din Abu al-Hajjaj Yusuf Ibn Abdul Rahman Al-Mizzi who died in the year 742. Yani almost 150 years later, he did an editing and abridgment of the work of Al-Maqdisi and his book is known as Tahzeeb Al-Kamal Fi Asma Al-Rijal and it was in 12 volumes. Tahzeeb Al-Kamal Fi Asma Al-Rijal means that he did editing and some work on that book. He made some additions to it and so on. Further, after that, one of Al-Mizzi's gifted pupils, the great scholar Shams al-Din Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Ahmed ibn Uthman al-Qa'imaz al-Zahabi, al-Imam al-Zahabi, who died in the year 748, a few years after Al-Mizzi, he summarized his sheikh's work and produced two abridgments, a long one called Tazheeb at tahzib Tazheeb at tahzib and a shorter one 
called Al-Kashif. It's written here, Al-Kashif, Fi Asma Rijal Al-Kutub Al-Sitta, but the real name of the book is Al-Kashif Fi Ma'arifat Man Lahu Riwayatun Fi Al-Kutub Al-Sitta. Yani, it is dealing with an introduction or information about all of those who have narrations in the six books. This book, Al-Kashif, is a small book in one or two volumes. Recently it was reprinted in two volumes. Uh, it's not as big, it's much, much brief, more brief than his longer abridgment, Tazheeb al-Tahdeeb. This one is a short summarized version known as Al-Kashif. Generally is referred to by the abbreviated title, Al-Kashif, by Al-Imam Al-Zahabi. Al-Imam Al-Zahabi, by the way, has written many books, and amongst the most famous of his books is Al-Kaba'ir. Al-Kaba'ir, The Major Sins. That book has been translated into English, but unfortunately the translation that I've seen is a bad translation. Very bad. But in any case, Imam Zahabi has written many books, and from amongst them, that book has been translated into English. A similar effort of the work of Al-Mizzi was made by the great scholar Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajj Al-Asqalani, who died in the year 852. Yani, about 100 years after Al-Zahabi. Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, the author of the explanation of Bukhari, Fat al-Bari. He also tried to edit and summarize and do some work to the book of Al-Mizzi, Tahdeeb al-Kamal. And he collected two books. Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajjah, he prepared a lengthy but abridged version with about one-third of the original material omitted entitled Tahdeeb al-Tahdeeb in 12 shorter volumes and later he abridged this further more abridgment, more summarizing to a relatively humble two volume now it's also published in one volume, the one that I have is in one thick volume uh, called Taqreeb al-Tahdeeb so the two books of Al-Hafid ibn Hajjah is Tahdeeb al-Tahdeeb and Taqreeb al-Tahdeeb and a further reduction of the first one and it should be distinguished from the book of Imam al-Zahabi Tazheeb al-Tazheeb Tazheeb al-Tahdeeb and this one is Tahdeeb al-Tahdeeb Anyway, don't worry so much about these names These books will only be يعني, important to us later on if we actually intended to go into depth in the study of Hadith um, which perhaps يعني, that's far from us now But in any case, just to have some knowledge of these books as he has mentioned them we are just briefly discussing them the work of Imam al-Zahabi was not left unedited. Al-Kazraji, a scholar who died in the year 923, summarized it and also made valuable additions, producing a book known as Al-Khulasa. Al-Khulasa, the final statement concerning this matter. A number of similar works deal with either trustworthy reporters, for example, Kitab Al-Siqat by Al-Ijli, and Tazkir al-Hufaz by al-Zahabi both of these books deal with the thiqat or the reliable narrators those who have been declared as being trustworthy or good narrators Kitab al-Thiqat and Tazkir al-Hufaz Hufaz is the prophet Hafiz and those who are strong reporters of hadith memorized who memorized thousands of hadith those which dealt with unfavorable statements or weak narrators, for example, Kitab al-Du'afa. Al-Du'afa is the plural of Da'if. Kitab al-Du'afa means the book of weak narrators. 
and al-matrukeen, the matruk narrated, those who have been abandoned by al-imam al-nasai, and also kitab al-majruheen by Muhammad ibn Hibban al-Busti, the great scholar who wrote, a, who collected a book called the Sahih of Ibn Hibban. Two more works in this field which include a large number of reporters, both authenticated and disparaged, yani two other very very important books which collect a large number of reporters of those who are considered as strong reporters and those who are considered as weak reporters is the book Mizan Al-I'tidal by Imam Al-Zahabi and Lisan Al-Mizan by Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani. Both of these books are big books. Al-Mizan is about four fat volumes. And Lisan Al-Mizan is about seven يعني, smaller volumes. And both of them also deal with uh, those narrators which are, who have been declared strong and those who have been declared weak. In Mizan Al-Itidal, Imam Al-Zahabi, actually uh, he defends many reporters who were criticized as being weak or unfavorable reports were made against them and he defended them and tried to show that they were actually uh, reliable reporters and that's why it's called Al-Mizan Mizan Al-Itidal yani the scales of Itidal, of justice and he tried to correct those disparaging or unfavorable statements that were made about some of the reporters by showing that they were good, acceptable or reliable reporters and then Al-Hafiz Ibn Hajjah yani, did Yani some work on that book and made many additions to it and his book is called Lisan al-Mizan and it was based upon the book of Al-Zahabi Mizan al-Itidah so this is what uh, has been mentioned here concerning Ilm al-Rijal Ilm al-Rijal the biography is a reporter's hadith is a science in and of itself it's not our intention to study Ilm al-Rijal but since it's mentioned here in the book we are just passing over it to have some idea what is it talking about and what is its importance and what are some of the books that have been written concerning it and those scholars who gave attention to this very very important science the books of it are too many the books concerning this science are so many and from amongst the most important of them is a book by Imam al-Zahabi which is 23 volumes 23 big volumes if you saw them it is a library in itself Seer Al-A'lam Al-Nubala by Al-Imam Al-Zahabi 25 volumes if you put them together this many books and there are so many others amongst them in any case now the next chapter is the first section of the classifications of hadith classification of hadith according to the reference to a particular authority and here the author mentions three categories Al-Marfu' Al-Mawquf and Al-Maktu'ah The first of them he says number one according to the reference to a particular authority yani who has the statement or action been reported from the following principal types of hadith the following principal types of hadith are important Marfu'ah Marfu'ah means elevated or raised up a narration it is a narration from the Prophet for example a reporter whether he is a Sahabi or a Tabi or other a reporter says Qala Rasulullah the Messenger of Allah said 
Anytime somebody says, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, it means this is a statement. Or if they said, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu the Messenger of Allah was doing such and such and so and so. Whenever they said it, reported it as an action or a statement from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu this is what is referred to as al-marfu'ah. It means it has been ascribed or attributed to the Prophet sallallahu Okay, this is what is referred to as al-marfu'ah. We are not considering whether or not the chain of narratives is complete or broken. We are only looking at what? We are not looking at the chain of narratives. We are looking at the metin, the text. It is from who? From the Prophet, from Sahabi, from Tabi, from who? Okay? This reference, marfu' is not a reference to the chain of narratives. It is a reference to the metin, the text. It is reported from who? Okay? For example, he says, the very first hadith in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, is as follows. Al-Bukhari, and remember we said when there is a double broken line, it means that the reporter used an expression like, Haddathani, Akhbarani, Aw Samaitu, which is a strong means of reporting from someone. If somebody said, Haddathani, or Akhbarani, or so and so, it means that they heard it directly from the sheikh or the scholar, who they are, reporting it from. So Al-Bukhari, he said he heard the hadith from Al-Humaydi, one of his shaykhs, Abdullah ibn al-Zubayr, from Sufyan, either Sufyan ibn Uyayna or Sufyan al-Thawri. It's probably Sufyan ibn Uyayna. The Sufyan al-Thawri, his time was before that, earlier than that. From Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Ansari, from Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Taymi, from Alqama ibn Waqqas al-Layfi who said, I heard Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu saying while on the pulpit, while he was in the member, I heard Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying innama al-a'mal bin niyat that the reward of deeds depends upon the intentions and every person will get the reward according to what he has intended so whoever migrated for worldly benefits or for women to marry his migration is for what he migrated. The famous hadith that Imam Bukhari reported from his Shaykh Al-Humaydi. Uh, some of the scholars discussed this hadith in reference to another classification hadith, the hadith Al-Mutawatir and hadith Al-Ahad. We will talk about it later on. But the important thing here is that this hadith is the Ahad hadith. It is the Ahad hadith. And it is a Gharib hadith, meaning that in some of the levels of the hadith is only one narrator. And the only person who heard it from Umar al-Khattab, it is Al-Qamar. He was the only person also who reported from Al-Qamar. And Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Ansari, likewise, and then after that, innumerable, large number of people reported it in the rest of the chain. But because we look at the least number in any tabaqa, in any stage, if there is in any stage one person, that hadith is considered gharib. And in many, many cases, the hadith that's classified as gharib is often a da'if hadith. But not always. In this case, it's not da'if. It's reported by al-Bukhari. It's sahih. No doubt about it. Uh, so this <coughs> is an example of a hadith marfu'. It is a hadith that has been attributed to the Prophet sallallahu And any other hadith such as Buni al-Islam al-Khams, that Islam is built on five, 
it is also attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, so it is marfu'ah. And any hadith which describes an action of the Prophet or a statement of the Prophet or something that he knew about and he approved of it, even without saying a word, but he approved of it, it is also considered as marfu'ah. It is something that has been ascribed to the Prophet ﷺ. The next category is mawquf, which means stop. <coughs> and I think... Uh, on the handout, we gave some of these descriptions with a little more detail. Inshallah, you can read them, the more details later, but we want to just cover the text. He says, Mawkuf means stopped or suspended. It's from Waqafa, Waqf, to stop. So Mawkuf is a hadith that is stopped. It stopped at a companion. It's not raised up or attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. If you said, if somebody said, this is Mawkuf, Mawquf means it stopped at a sahabi. It's not attributed to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is not a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu is a narration from a sahabi, a companion. That is his own statement or his own action. Action or statement of sahabi. For example, Al-Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah reports in his sahih, in the kitab of al-Fara'id, the books of laws of inheritance, that Abu Bakr, Ibn Abbas and Ibn Zubair radiallahu anhum ajma'in may Allah be pleased with all of them said the grandfather is treated like a father yani a grandfather in matters of inheritance is like the father in the absence of the father the grandfather takes that place yani the grandfather is like a father also entitled to inherit so this statement is not a statement it's not a saying of the Prophet it's a statement of Abu Bakr Siddiq it's a statement of Abdul ibn Abbas, a statement of Abdul ibn Zubayr. They said it. So we said it as what? Mawquf. Whenever we said Mawquf, we know that the Prophet didn't say so. But it's a statement from one of the Sahaba. It should be noted that certain expressions used by a companion generally render a hadith to be considered as being effectively marfoon. Yani marfoon, hukman. And the ruling concerning it is, is as though it's marfu'an. Even though it's a statement from Sahabi, but in certain situations, it will take on the ruling as a marfu' hadith. As though it is a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, although it is mawquf on the face of it. For example, the following, state, such statements from a Sahabi, we were commanded, umirna, we were commanded to do so and so. Who commanded them? Obviously, they were commanded by Allah and the listening of Allah. So the ruling concerning what they said they were commanded, it is as though somebody said the Prophet said so. Because the command couldn't come from anybody except him. So it takes on the ruling, though on the surface it's like mawkuf, but in fact the ruling of it is marfu'ah. It has the strength and weight in a legal argument of a marfu'ah hadith. If a sahaba says, umirna, we were commanded, or nuhina, we were forbidden. Forbidden by who? From each other? No. Forbidden by the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Therefore, it takes on the ruling or the hukum of a marfu hadith. We used to do, yani they used to do something in the time of the Prophet wasallam. it's considered as marfu because it comes under his sunnah. His sunnah is that which he said, that which he did, and that which he tacitly approved of. He allowed it. He knew about it and he allowed it. That means it comes under his Sunnah. We used to say or we used to do while the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu was amongst us we did not used to mind such and such and so and so. They used to allow it. It used to be said. 
Yani it was said in the presence of Sahaba in the time of the Prophet so and so it is from the Sunnah to do such and such and so and so it was revealed in the following circumstances speaking about a verse of the Quran Yani the Asbabul Nuzul or the circumstances or reasons why a verse was revealed when they said such things talking about the reasons for the revelation of a verse that it was revealed in a certain following circumstances or for a particular reason all of these type of statements Though on the surface they appear to be a statement of Sahabi, Mawqof, but in fact they take on the ruling of al marfuah And this topic is really a lengthy topic, the topic of those hadith which are marfuah hukman in ruling, though they appear to be Mawqof, and we cannot discuss it in detail, but anyway in the handout I try to give some uh, any discussion concerning this particular matter. <coughs> also concerning Mawqof, just in passing we can say, that sometimes, although mawkuf is normally referred to a statement or action of sahabi, but sometimes it may be used. If it's used in the restricted sense, if someone said, this is mawkuf ala zuhri, or mawkuf as zuhri. And zuhri wasn't a sahabi, he was a tabi, an imam al zuhri. He was a tabi. But if somebody used it in that sense, mawkuf as zuhri, or mawkuf Muhammad ibn Sirin, or mawkuf Sayyid ibn Musayyid, and we know that these people are tabi'een, they are not sahaba. Then in that sense it's permissible to use the word mawqof even for a tabi'een. But you have to use it with the mention of the name of the tabi so we know. Otherwise if you just say mawqof we will assume that it is a sahabi. But if you say mawqof and you mention a tabi'een, it's permissible to use it as such. In that case, yani, it is allowed. And in that case, yani, once the name of the person is mentioned, then we know that it is not a statement of Sahabi because from the names of the people we know who are Sahaba and who are Tabi'een. If we don't know, we look in the Kutub al-Rijal, the books of the narrators of Hadith, and they will tell us that one is Sahabi, he is Tabi, when he was born, when he died, and whatever we need to know about him. And the last category that we want to discuss is Al-Maktu'a. Al-Maktu'a means severed or cut off. And it is a narration from a successor. A narration from a tabi'i, a tabi'i, a student of the sahaba. We said previously, I think, the definition of a sahabi is a person who saw the Prophet ﷺ or was in his presence. For example, a blind person who didn't see him but he was in the presence of the Prophet ﷺ while being a believer, while being a believer, and he died on Islam. Yani a person who met the Prophet ﷺ after his prophethood, during his mission as prophet, that person believed in him. He was a believer at the time he met him, and he also died as a believer. Then he is a Sahabi. If a person met the Prophet ﷺ at the time when he had not yet received the revelation, it's not considered. If he met him at the time when he was missioned, but that person hadn't yet embraced Islam and the Prophet died and after that he embraced Islam he is not considered Sahabi he has to meet him at the time while he is a believer if a person met him in the time of his prophethood and that person was a believer and then he reverted from Islam, apostated became a murtad and died on kufr then he is not considered Sahabi even though he met the Prophet as a believer but he died on kufr he is not a Sahabi so all of these conditions have to be met but he met him in his lifetime, in his prophethood, he believed in him at that time when he met him, and he also died on Islam. 
If that person apostated and returned to Islam, he would still be considered a Sahabi. If he met the Prophet ﷺ during his prophethood, and he was a believer in him when he met him, and he apostated, but then returned to Islam, and died on Islam, he is still considered as a Sahabi, according to the most correct opinion of the scholars. So that's a, a Sahabi. What is a Tabi? A Tabi is a person who didn't meet the Prophet ﷺ, but he met one of the Sahaba. Met him while believing in Islam, and he died on Islam. This is a tabi'i, what he calls here a successor, yani those who succeeded the sahaba. So a narration from a tabi'i, for example, Al-Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, reports in his introduction to his book, As-Sahih, in the introduction to his book of Sahih Hadith, Al-Imam Muslim says that Ibn Sirin, that is Muhammad Ibn Sirin, the great scholar and imam of the tabi'in who died in the year 110, said that this knowledge, has al-ilm, Meaning, the knowledge of hadith. This knowledge is a deen. It is deen. Therefore, a person should look to and be careful of who he takes it from. And a person should be careful who he takes this knowledge from. The knowledge of hadith shouldn't be taken from anyone. Because the knowledge of hadith is deen. It is one of the fundamental basis of the sharia, of our deen. So a person should be careful who they take it from. Uh, <coughs> the authenticity of each of the above three types of hadith marfu'un, mawquf'un and maqtu'un depends on other factors depends on other factors if it is authentic it depends on other factors such as the reliability of its reporters yani looking at all of the reporters in the chain in the isnad we have to look at the reliability of each one of them before we can determine whether it's sahih no matter if it's maqtu'a or mawqof or marfu'an any one of them if we said that it is sahih mawqof and it is an authentic statement from Abdullah ibn Abbas we have to first look at the chain of narrative leading up to ibn Abbas to see if it is a complete chain and all of the narratives are reliable narratives and so on before we can say that it is an authentic statement so not only when we look at the things of the Prophet ﷺ, but also when we look at the statements of Sahaba we need to look at the chain of narratives before we say that Abdullah ibn Abbas said such and such and so and so there are some books now in the market in Arabic called the Tafsir Ibn Abbas. But if you look at the chains of narrative, of who narrated those things from Ibn Abbas, you'll find that many of them are not authentic. Because there's no real book of Tafsir Ibn Abbas. And Ibn Abbas didn't collect the book of Tafsir. But he was one of the most important and most famous and most knowledgeable scholars of Tafsir. So some people tried to collect different things that have been reported from him into a book and say this is the Tafsir of Ibn Abbas. Unfortunately, some of the Asanid or the chains of narratives are not authentic. So it is important to look at the chains of narratives. Otherwise, if it's not an authentic chain of narratives, we can't really say that Ibn Abbas said such and so and so. Okay? So it's important not only for the sayings of the Prophet وسلم, but also Sahaba or Tabi'in to look at the chains of narratives of those who transmitted those sayings down the line. So here he said, we have to look at yani some of the factors include the reliability of the reporters, the nature of the linkage among them. Yani, what kind of link, chain of narratives was? Was it broken? Was it complete? Did it have one break in it, many breaks in it in the beginning, the middle, the end? We have to look at that also as a determining factor to know if it's authentic. However, in spite of the fact that we can't determine the authenticity of a hadith just by looking at whether or not it's marfu'un or maqtu'un or mawqufun, however, the above classification is extremely useful since through it 
the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ can be distinguished at once from those of companions or successors. And this is especially helpful in debate about matters of fiqh and for, ma- for that matter even matters of aqidah. Yani, as soon as you, you see that it is a mawqof statement, then it doesn't have the same weight as a marfu'an statement. If somebody is debating a matter of fiqh or a matter of aqidah and somebody brings a marfu' statement, it is from the Prophet. Another person brings mawkuf statement from Sahabi, then obviously the weight is not the same. So immediately you can determine the weight of the person's evidence if we know who it is reported from. Who is the authority that is reported from? Is it reported from the Prophet or Sahaba or Tabi'een? Or is it reported from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Hadith Qudsi? Hadith Qudsi is also a category to be considered here under this type of reference, the authority that is reported from. Sometimes the Prophet said that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Or, my Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala said. So that is hadith Qudsi. If it has an authentic chain, it would be authentically attributed to the Prophet Al Imam Malik, rahimahullah, in his book Al-Muwatta, which is one of the early collections of hadith, and before the time of Bukhari, it was considered as the most authentic book of hadith. It was considered as the most authentic reference in Islam after the Qur'an, until the time of Bukhari, whose book was more authentic. And there's just a little remaining after the adhan, inshallah, we'll complete this and stop here. Allahu Akbar Allah. Uh, if the sisters have any handouts remaining, can they please send uh, one or two over to us, inshallah. The, the last statement that the Shaykh mentions here is concerning the Muwatta of Imam Malik, which is one of the early collections of hadith. And it contains a relatively even ratio of these types of hadith. Yani the maqtu' and mawquf, as well as mursal hadith, a hadith which are discussed later. Yani mursal hadith we said, and we'll, dis- we'll, we'll discuss it when we reach that area. It is the hadith which a tabi'i, a student of sahaba, reports directly from the Prophet ﷺ. He doesn't say, that he doesn't mention the Sahabi who he heard it from, but he just says, Qala Rasul ﷺ, this is mursal. Obviously, there's at least one, if not two, links missing from the chain. If he really reported it from, directly from the Sahabi, there's one person missing, which there's no harm. The Sahabi are all accepted, the Sahaba are all accepted narratives. But, perhaps the Tabi may not have heard it from the Sahabi. Maybe he heard it from another Tabi. I heard it from a Sahabi, in that case there's two missing links and that's where the problem is because although the Sahaba are all acceptable narrators, the Tabi'i, some of them are acceptable narrators, some of them are not acceptable, so we have to know who it is. Therefore that missing link would be the cause of the Hadith, Mursal, to be declared as weak. In any case, uh, according to Abu Bakr al-Ashari, who died in the year 375, he says that al-Muwatta contains the following. 600 marfu' hadith. And in what's Imam Malik contains 600 sayings or actions, statements referred to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 613 hadith. Yani statements of sahaba. 285 maqfu' hadith. Statements from the tabi'een. And 228 mursal hadith. Yani statements where tabi'i quotes from the Prophet ﷺ. It's not a statement of a tabi, but it's a tabi quoting directly from the Prophet ﷺ, skipping over whoever he heard it from, from amongst the tabi'een or a tabi in sahabi. These are a total of 1,726 
a hadith in the Muwatta of Imam Malik. So you can see in the Muwatta of Imam Malik, he has a good collection of statements of the Prophet statements of Sahaba, statements of Tabi'een, and some Mursal hadith where the Tabi'i doesn't mention who he heard it from, but he mentions directly from the Prophet Among other collections, relatively more mawquf and maktua hadith are found in Al-Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba, who died in the year 235. And he was one of the main scholars of Imam Muslim, one of his main teachers. And probably about two-thirds, if not three-fourths of the hadith in the Sahih of Muslim are directly from the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba. And he narrated or quoted them directly from Imam Ibn Abi Shayba. And also another book which contains a large number of mawquf and maktur uh, reports is the Musannaf of Abdul Razak who died in the year 211 and the tafsir the tafsir of Imam al-Tabri, Ibn Jariya al-Tabri, Ibn Abi Hatim and Ibn Munzir all of these contain a large number of statements of Tabi'een and statements of Sahaba in addition to reports from the Prophet The last thing that I want to say just looking at the handout there is something very important here to pay attention to and it is related to the discussion of Rijal al-Hadith. Please read carefully yani, the note concerning the conflicting remarks. When there's conflicting remarks, what are the things or some of the things that, a person, that we need to look at to know how to make a final determination whether or not that reporter is a good reporter or a weak reporter. And after that we said that the scholars are classified into three general categories Muta'annit uh, or Muta'sabbit those who were extremely critical or strict Yani Muta'annit it means and Muta'sabbit means that they were very harsh when they criticized they criticized narratives harshly and even when they gave a firm a good favorable report about somebody it was only after examining them very very carefully they didn't easily say somebody was a good narrative until they inspected everything about him this is the first category. The second category is Mu'atadil, Munsif. Those who, they were Mu'atadil, they were balanced in their criticism. They didn't go to the extreme in criticizing, and they were Munsif in their giving favorable, or in giving favorable reports, they were balanced, and in criticizing, they were fair. And they didn't go to the extreme in favorable remarks or in criticism, but they had a very fair and balanced perspective. And the last group is the Mutasahil, those who are lenient or easygoing, and who are very easy in giving favorable remarks. They were very easy in saying somebody is thicker. And there are many scholars, which we mentioned some of them from each of these categories, those from the first group, we mentioned some of the names, those from the second group and those from the third group. And these names are important to look at, at least to be aware about. All of these are great scholars. This is not a criticism of them, but it is a categorization to know that some scholars were very, very strict. They wouldn't give a favorable evaluation until they examined everything about them. And that's good for us to know, because those scholars from the first group, if they said somebody was thicker, you can be sure he is a good narrator. But if they said somebody was weak, we have to look at it, because they were very harsh. Sometimes they took a small thing and criticized the person. So we have to be careful about their criticisms. Those who are more attentive, monsif, those are the best of the criticizers. Yani they were very fair and balanced in their criticism and those who are mutasahil, be careful to accept their accreditation of somebody because they used to give accreditation very very easily and this is um, something that 
we have to pay attention to. Sometimes some of the scholars said that this person was thicker. But who said he was thicker? Ibn Hibban. Or Ibn Hibban was Mutasahib. So it's not so easy just to accept his accreditation until we look at what the other scholars said. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. If there are any questions or comments or corrections, yani we can take two or three minutes if there's anything left unclear. Now, Fadda. Unknown, Majhul. Now, yeah, these are just a few of the categories, but there are so many categories. Actually, we mentioned this in one of the introductory lectures, and we will talk about it again at another time, but uh, one of the categories that is very common is that a, scout, a, a narrator would be classified as majhul. There are two main types of jahala, majhul al-ayn and majhul al-hal. If they said he is majhul, we need to know which one, because they are not equal. Majhul al-ayn means that only one person is known to have reported from that narrator. Only one person reported hadith from him. And they didn't give him accreditation. So they said he is majhul al-ayn. Majhul means his condition as a narrator is unknown. We don't know if he is a good narrator or not. Because only one person reported from him. And he didn't even say whether he was good or strong narrator or not. So he is unknown. Unknown in terms of his condition as a reporter. Majhul al-hal, it means that two or more narrated from that person. Two, at least two, or maybe more than that. But nobody gave him accreditation. Nobody said that he was a good narrator, he was a strong narrator, he was thikr, hafiz, whatever. So without accreditation, even though we know who he is, and we know that many people reported from him, but nobody gave him accreditation. So he is also classified as majhul. Majhul meaning, it's unknown whether or not he is a good reporter or not. But majhul al-hal is different from majhul al-ayn. Majhul al-hal, maybe two or three or four or five people reported from him. At least we can look at the narrations of two or three or four people who reported from them to scrutinize it and look at it. Perhaps we will come up with something. But somebody, only one person reported from him, we have nothing to work with. And, and, and in addition to that, the one person reported from him didn't give him accreditation. So both of these, they don't have accreditation. Majhul means that person has not been given accreditation by anybody. It doesn't mean he's unknown. We don't know who he is. We know who he is. We have his identity. But we don't know about his condition as a narrator. There's another classification of unknown that is related to Majhul. It is Mubham, a narrator whose name has not been mentioned. Then if somebody reported from him without even mentioning his name. That one is Mubham. He is really unknown. We don't even know who he is. For sure he is rejected. We cannot take hadith from such a person. And there are some other categories related to this. Now. The, of course, the books of Rijal, Ilm al-Rijal, in those books they discuss which scholars who used to make the criticism of the narratives of hadith, who used to write the biographies and evaluate the narratives, they discussed in detail which of them are from the strict and very critical ones, which of them are from the fair and balanced ones, which of them are from the easygoing, lenient ones. They discussed and they gave details about their reports and what they said about people to show how they classified them into these categories. But of course, Ilm al-Rijal is another science Different from Mustalah Hadith, it's related to it. But we don't have the ability to discuss it in any detail here. There are some books, like this book, Criticism of Hadith, it discusses something related to it.
وعد الله 